Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Great, thank you very much, Colin. So I'm just going to take a, a few minutes and I'm going to have a preach now. And uh, when I was way back in uh, December, January time, planning out the preaching for a few months, I was due today to be speaking on the book of Job as part of our wisdom literature series. And uh, I mean, it's a pretty timely book to be looking at with, with all that's going on. So I, I'm going to press ahead with, um, with, with that plan. Um, but this is actually the second sermon on Job. So we were going to do two. And in the first one, which was a couple of weeks ago when we were at Sasha's in person, uh, we started off and we looked at the basic story uh, of Job. And it's, it's an incredible story, really. You've got uh, this guy who is, is a good uh, and devout man. He's an upright guy. And it says he's blameless. Uh, and he turned away from evil and he feared God. So what an incredible man. And he, he was wealthy. He had uh, 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. 500 yoke of oxen and 500 female donkeys. Also had loads of servants. He had um, 10 kids, so seven sons and three daughters. And then just over the course of uh, a short period of time, it's like everything was stripped away from him. So uh, disasters happened to uh, first um, one kind of animal, then another, then another. And all these servants are like running in one after the other saying, your sheep are gone, your camels are gone, your oxen's gone, everything's gone. And then there's another a disaster or calamity that comes on the house where his kids are meeting together uh, and, and having a party and, uh, and his kids all die as well. And Job is left uh, completely confused, completely um, just thrown by this, uh, this set of circumstances that he finds himself in. And then, uh, then it gets worse. There's physical afflictions on him as well. His body starts coming out in sores from head to toe. And, and what we talked about in the first sermon on this is uh, it's just looking at uh, what this passage teaches us about bad things happening and it teaches us that bad things do happen uh, and that's part of life and that bad things do happen even to good people so job had done nothing wrong it's not like this was punishment for something he'd done uh, and yet it happened to him and we, and we reflected on that and we reflected on the fact that at the same time as all that being true God is there and God is good. And it's not that God has somehow messed up in his sovereign charge of the universe. And holding those two things together uh, gives us a bit of a mystery, really. And we've got to live in that mystery. Uh, look, bad things happen and it's not like God has lost the plot when they do happen. But how do we understand that? Uh, we, we left you with two questions about hard times and, uh, and suffering. And the first of them is just how do we respond to God? when hard times come and i guess that's a question a lot of us uh, now uh, now life has got pretty uncertain now there's been so much change this week um, how do we respond to god when things happen that weren't what we wanted do we do we blame god do we lash out at god do we ignore god what do we do and uh, job poses that question to us and it, it also poses the question what do we do when other people suffer uh, and you've got these three other characters in the book who uh, are Job's so-called friends. Um, so he's got these three 
idiot friends who basically uh, they, they just try and uh, moralize to him, tell him he must have done something wrong. They they lack empathy uh, and they're really not very helpful at all. And the book kind of points us to to ask what would be a much better way to respond to those who are suffering and going through a hard time. Again, it's a very timely question for us to reflect on. Um, but what I wanted to do today with uh, with this bit of time that we have is focus in more on just this man, Job himself, because in this debate that he had with his friends and as they were discussing it, Job was uh, trying to articulate uh, his view of things, which is like, look, I really don't think there's any specific thing I've done wrong that's brought this on. And yet I don't think God's in the wrong either. And that was his perspective. And his friends didn't quite get it. They're like, no, Job, you must have done something wrong. But afterwards, after the conversation had happened, it's like God gives his verdict on what they've all been discussing. And uh, in the very last chapter of the book of Job, so this is chapter 42, it says, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, so this is one of the friends, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So God is commending the things that Job said. So Job said things and God says, this is right. What he said is correct. I don't know if you were ever in a situation at school when like, a teacher would set a task to the class. And then like halfway through the time to do the work, they kind of just stop everyone, take the attention back to the front. And, and they pick out one child's work and, and they say, like, look, look at what this kid has done. This is exactly what I'm after. This is the, the right way to go about this task. Well, here it's like God does that with Job. As they're having this conversation, it's like God picks out Job's response and says, this is the kind of response to have when times are difficult. He has spoken of me what is right. I mean, what a thing for God to pick you out as the positive example. I'd love God to, to take the way I respond to hard times and suffering and be able to say, look, look, everyone, the way Tom has handled this, that's spot on. That's right. Uh, and that's what happens with Job. So, uh, so what I, I want to do is just look at what was it about Job's response that was so good and so commendable. And I want to pick up four things that Job knew that were the foundations of his response. So here's number one. The first thing that uh, I think we can say Job knew is that God is good. He knew that God is good. It says in uh, chapter one, verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So he'll sometimes ask questions and he'll sometimes um, kind of spiel his thoughts. But he never, ever accused God of being in the wrong. He knew that God was good. And the whole shape of the book is really asking us the question, will he be able to, to hold this line that God is good, even when life around him is, is, is confusing and uncertain and he doesn't know what's happening, will he still be able to affirm the goodness of God? You see, Job may not have been able to understand his circumstances, but he sure understood his God. And I think that's a great word for us uh, in a time like this, in a time of uncertain circumstances for ourselves. You know, we may have very little 
clarity about what's going on about what will happen next about where it's all going about uh, what god's trying to do through it have any of you found yourself this week praying a why prayer you know it's been a prayer that i've just kept coming back to this week why why is this happening why why is uh, why is everything changing why is the world the way it is now i've, I've been praying that prayer a lot and, and job prays the why prayer too that's a, a question that he keeps asking but but you know there are different ways of asking why of god there's there's a way of asking why that has some humility to it and it's it's when you come out coming at it with just a sense of god i, I don't get it I, I don't understand but i do have faith and i do trust you and i do know that you are still god and you're working your good purposes through it that's one way to ask a why question there's another way of asking it that is a bit more accusatory. So it's like, God, you've stuffed up here. God, why are you doing this? God, this, this isn't how it should be done. And I think it's right to ask the why question, but let's just be careful about how we go about asking that question. And let's not uh, accuse God of doing wrong. That was the big challenge for Job. And it could be a challenge for us as well. You see, the thing that can root us and keep us uh, grounded and steady at times like this, when so many things seem unclear, is that we've got something that we can be crystal clear about. And that is our God. That is his character and his goodness. You know, there's a song that I've been living with for uh, a few weeks now, just kind of played it a lot. And we talked about uh, starting to do it at church sometimes uh, as well. It's called The Goodness of God. Um, and the lyrics go like this. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. So with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I bet you're glad that I just read the words out and, and didn't try <laughs> singing them. That would have been uh, a, a disaster for everyone concerned. But but a song like that with, with the truths that it's affirming can be an anthem for us at times like this because we look back and we look back uh, at years and decades of knowing God and knowing him to be good and knowing him to be faithful to us and seeing that every single day that his mercy has never failed us. You know, God has showed us who he is and that has never changed and it never will. And that can root us in times like this. So that's the first truth that Job knew and he held on to the fact that God is good. Well, the second one, the second thing that he knew is that suffering is tough. Suffering is tough. So in chapter one, verse 20, it says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. You see, what he's doing here is he's engaging with the things that have happened to him. And he's grieving. That's what it's about when he's tearing his robe and shaving his head. He's going through a process of grief at everything that he has lost and everything that's happened to him. And it's through this process of grief that it takes him to worship. He ends up falling on the ground and worshipping God. You know, this season is going to be a, an interesting one for many of us. And there are different things we can do with it. And there are different dangers potentially 
before us. Now, now one danger that we could uh, engage these next um, few weeks or months or however long it is that we're, we're doing this social distancing for, uh, one danger is that we can just become numb to everything and just treat it as like a, a bit of a time to just check out from life really uh, and just kind of retreat into catching up on Netflix and getting really good at FIFA and uh, drinking wine or wh whatever it might be. I know there's nothing wrong with Netflix, there's nothing wrong with FIFA and there's nothing wrong with wine. But if, if that is the sum total of what this time is about, then I think we, we've missed something. Um, another danger potentially for us, especially for us as Christians, is we can engage with what's happening, but to do so in a very trite way. Yeah, and just like make a statement like, well, God is in control. And so we never really notice or speak about or mull on uh, the state of the world at the moment and the pandemic and uh, the things that are happening to people's jobs and the economy and uh, people's mental health and all the different things uh, that are going on at this time. We could just go, oh, well, God is in control uh, and somehow just not, embrace or engage with that reality now it's absolutely true that god is in control i i want to affirm that and I, we need to hold on to that but we should also look around and at what's happening and we should engage with it and we should be concerned and we should be troubled you know i i think there is a time for grief uh, I think we, we've lost some things at the moment. We've lost the ability to gather. We've lost the ability to do a lot of the things that we like to do. And I think it's right to grieve over those things. And when we see news reports and uh, the state of uh, hospitals in, in Italy just completely overcrowded, and I get the sense that uh, it's likely we'll see similar scenes here as well. And, you know, when we hear of people, people who we love who are, who are ill, and seriously ill we should be grieving we should be engaged with everything you know it's it's not a bad thing to cry you know i've been crying uh, plenty this week um, there, there's plenty to grieve and uh, it's part of the process of engaging with stuff it's right to wail but it's right to let that crying and wailing not just lead you to despair but to lead you to worship that's what it does for job as he grieves and as he engages with this truth that's suffering it's tough. It drives him to worship. When you read the Psalms, you see this happen time and time again. Someone will start with their circumstances and their feeling, and it could be angst, it could be anger, it could be desperation, it could be frustration. Wherever they're starting from, they get real about it, and yet they go to God, and they end up uh, moving from this place of frustration to a place of prayer and praise and glorifying God. And you know what? I think one, uh, one good that can come out of this time is it can drive us to the Lord in prayer. You know, I think uh, it's a time that all of us have been forced to just slow down a bit. Uh, our pace of life has changed. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see God use this as a time to, uh, to teach us how to pray and to really connect with him. So Job knew that God is good. Job knew that suffering is tough. Thirdly, Job knew that God knows more than he does. And we see this in chapter 9 and verse 3. He says, if one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. So imagine you're going to have a little conversation with God and you've got all your questions and there might be a whole bunch of stuff that you want to ask God. And you're bringing your questions to the table. And then God's got his list of questions that he might want to ask you. How do you think that conversation is going to go? 
because we might ask our questions and you know what god would be able to answer anything we put of him god is perfectly wise he's all knowing but if god started throwing his questions at us how many could we answer job says uh, i couldn't answer him one in a thousand times It'd be kind of like the ultimate cross-examination scene, wouldn't it? Have you ever seen like a, a courtroom movie where like you've got a, a witness on the stand and uh, the first lawyer's asking them questions and it seems like they're building up this really good case. And then the other lawyer steps in uh, and just asks question after question. And the witness just kind of crumbles and everything uh, just seems like they have nothing left to say at the end of it. Well, we do get a scene like this at the end of the book of Job. Everyone's been asking their questions and trying to make sense of what's happening and what God might be doing. But from chapter 38 onwards, God starts asking his own questions. Uh, and it's pretty full on what God asks. He asks things like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked into the recesses of the deep? Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Can you draw out a leviathan with a fish hook? He's asking all these questions to which I, I presume the answer that Job would keep giving is no. No, I wasn't there. No, I haven't been there. No, I don't know that. No, I haven't done that. God has got all these questions for job that mean uh, that job's questions are just silenced but what i love about job is that he had the humility to know that way back in chapter nine that he could just say look if god asked me questions i couldn't even answer one in a thousand and that's exactly how it proves to be you know in this life we may never fully understand why things happen the way they do and yet we can trust in the anchor of knowing God. And we can rest in the knowledge that even when we don't know, there's a God who does, who knows way more than we ever will. And that's a security for us at a time like this. So here's the fourth and the last thing that uh, I just want to pick out that Job uh, knows. And he knows that seeing God changes everything. Seeing God changes everything. You see, after God has appeared to Job and after God has asked all these questions we see Job then responds again uh, in chapter 42 from verse 2. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Well therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, he's saying to God, look, before I did know about you, God, I'd heard about you. I'd heard stories. I'd heard with my ear. But now my eye sees you. He's seen God and it's changed everything. Job started with questions and he ended with awe. He ends up meeting the God who is mighty and bigger and more majestic than he could ever imagine. He gets this glimpse of God and he's, he's undone by it. And this is repentance. You know, he says, I repent in dust and ashes. And it's not like he said, I repent of this one particular thing that I did last Thursday. And that's why I'm suffering. 
No, he's just seen how holy God is, how righteous and awesome and majestic God is. And he realizes that he's small and sinful. And so he's just repenting. And we see this other times in the Bible as well. When people meet, we've got Isaiah when he had his vision of the throne room. He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. You know, there's something that can happen for, uh, for many of us at some point on our Christian journey. You just have a moment where it's like you see God in a new way. There's kind of a, a vividity of God's reality that just strikes you. And, and when you see God in this way, it's like everything just gets realigned in you. You know, I've got no idea what God is going to do uh, in this season of uncertainty, but, but I do know because he said in the scripture that he works all things for good. So I trust and I've got, I've got faith that God through this time is going to work things for good. And I wonder if one of the ways that he might do that is give us a season where we meet with him in a new way. And when we do it, it's like uh, the us that's there now, as it is, uh, like with the faith that we have and the way we engage with God at, at the moment. I, it's like uh, God wants to show us a new glimpse of him. And maybe where there's some shallowness around the edges of our faith, that kind of gets broken. And from the ashes of it, emerging something new that's confident in God, that's mature, that's strong in faith and seeing him as the all in all. You know, I'd love it if out of a dark time like this, something like that emerges in us just like it did with Job. Now, Job, Job suffered, but Job knew through it all that God is good and God is ultimate. He's not the only one who's done that. We see the same in a much greater sense with Jesus. In fact, Job here is a picture of Jesus, isn't he? The righteous one who's suffering did nothing to deserve it. Well, Jesus uh, is that, and even more so, because he wasn't just righteous in the sense that Job was righteous. He was perfectly righteous, sinless, never done anything wrong. And yet he suffered for us. His suffering brought great good. And you know, through suffering, God can work great good. And so I, I think this season, let's, let's have it as a season of faith, and let's have it as a season of looking to God and seeing what he wants to do in us, and what he wants to do to bless those around us as well.